there. Welcome to the Calm Podcast, combining academia and life with Marilyn. My name is Marilyn Ritchie, and I have been a mentor and a scientist for 15 years, and I wanted to find a platform to reach more of the academic community than I interact with at my own university. My goal is to give you strategies and ideas for how to achieve harmony between work and life. Sit back, relax, and let's achieve harmony together. Hey there, this is Marilyn, back for another episode of the Calm Podcast. Thank you for joining me again this week. This is part two of a two-part series on burnout. If you did not listen to last week's episode, I'll quickly get you caught up. What I talked about last week is burnout, kind of what it is, and trying to unpack and dig in a little bit to why it happens. You know, why do we allow ourselves to work to the point of burnout? And this week, what I want to talk about is some strategies to prevent burnout from happening or to treat burnout if you're already there. I think it is important to think through kind of the the strategies are different. If you are already at the point of burnout, some of the the lighter and easier strategies, at least for me, just don't work very well because I'm already too far burnt out. So I have some strategies that I use whenever I've gotten to the point of burnout, which has happened to me many times over the years. And then some strategies that I try to keep in place kind of the rest of the time so that I don't get to the point of burnout. And Before I get into those, I just want to say I've been reminded this week already why this topic is so, so important. Um, I actually took a week of vacation last week. We um, took the week off of work. The kids were on spring break from school. So it was just, just totally out of routine, you know, sleeping in taking naps, um, reading for fun, just going for long walks, playing board games, watching movies, just playing on our phones, just lots of downtime. And it, it was interesting kind of on Sunday, kind of at, at the end of the week and preparing for this new week, I found myself both feeling extremely energized and motivated and excited to get back to work, but also really missing the routine of kind of, you know, morning routine, kids out the door for school, work day, dinner, evening routine type things. It, I don't know, I, I'm definitely a creature of habit. And while I love a vacation, um, I think one of the joys of the vacation is the excitement and motivation that I have to get back into the regular work and life and after-school activity routines. So I just got back from vacation and I'm feeling energized and excited. And also I felt very sad. Twice this week I've been on conference calls with a colleague who their kids were also on spring break last week because the week of Easter, which was last week, is a common week for spring break here in eastern Pennsylvania. 
several other colleagues took the week off work and made the comment in a call, yeah, I was kind of on vacation last week, but it totally failed. I did tons of work. I was on all these conference calls. I really just didn't unplug. And so it was just a harder week because my kids were home from school and not having online things to do, and I was working, but I was supposed to be off. And it just was another reminder to me how important this conversation about burnout is because I could see it in their eyes that they are just burning out and they are miserable. And I know that it's hard. Believe me, I have a list of things that are late. I have a review for a journal that's late. I have edits on a book that are late. I have things to get back to students. The, the list never goes away. I've talked about that on this podcast before. The more work you do, the more work you create on your list. And so you can't ever get it all done. At some point, you just have to declare a vacation and take the break. And so I want to spend this time today talking about the different strategies. And if you're one of those people that does not do well with taking an extended vacation and a, you know, a longer break, which I have a lot of colleagues that are like that. Um, maybe listen to some of the shorter term strategies for prevention and you won't get to that point of, of utter burnout. So first, I'm going to talk about the burnout prevention strategies in terms of um, you know, how to try to avoid burnout to begin with. And then after that, we'll talk about kind of my strategies to handle burnout once I've already gotten there. Okay, so first, some of the things that I do to try to prevent burnout from even happening to begin with. And some of these things if you've been listening to the podcast, may sound like a broken record because some of the strategies that I use to prevent burnout are just the strategies that I use to be productive and to manage my time and to keep my energy up and kind of all of those things. The first one is uh, keeping a regular sleep schedule. I think I harp about sleep all the time. It is something that unless you're one of those people who has a genetic predisposition for not needing a lot of sleep. So there are people who truly only need four hours of sleep. They are rare and unique. And a lot of us, I think, have tried to get by on four hours of sleep because we want to be one of those people because sleep feels unproductive. And when you're busy and have a lot to do, you don't want to sleep too much. But for the most of us, four hours of sleep is not enough. We really need seven to nine hours. Now, I, I'm learning there are some people whose circadian clock is such that they actually sleep there six to eight hours or seven to eight hours in two intervals. So they'll have a few hours of sleep and then a few hours of wake and then a few hours of sleep. And that that is a circadian rhythm that some people have, which I think is fascinating um, I would kind of love to be up in the middle of the night knowing that I'll go back to sleep for a few more hours and that I'll have the time to get all the sleep. But when I do wake up in the middle of the night, I love that like everyone else is asleep. If I am doing anything, like no one's going to bother me. So if you're one of those people, 
that have that that sleep-wake-sleep interval cycle, you know, I think that's fine too. It's just a matter of making sure that you're getting enough sleep. And how do you know if it's enough sleep? Well, I think the the research says if you can um, fall asleep easily and wake up without an alarm, that those are two indications that you're getting the right amount of sleep. Now, some people just don't have an easy time falling asleep, and so there are a lot of strategies for that. Um, I'm actually not the best person to talk about that because I have no trouble falling asleep most of the time. In fact, sometimes I could fall asleep, um, you know, well, not sometimes. If I'm in the car, you know, as a passenger, I can fall asleep pretty much any time of the day. So um, I am definitely not an authority to talk about strategies to get yourself to fall asleep. Um, But I do notice that when I have an alarm and I have to drag myself out of bed, I definitely feel like I didn't get enough rest. And if I wake up five minutes before my alarm, it, it feels very different. So why is sleep so important for burnout? Well, if you're well rested, you're just more likely to feel kind of calmer and have your brain intact and not be in a fog and um, feeling all of that anxiety and stress and burnout. And so if it is possible to be on a regular sleep schedule, that would be a big help. I fully recognize it is not possible for everyone. Some people have young children who wake up in the middle of the night. Some people have a job that requires them to work, you know, in an unusual shift. And so this is something to aspire to if you are able. And if not, then perhaps trying some of the other strategies would be helpful. Uh, Another thing that I try to do is to take regular breaks. And when I'm, in this sense, I'm talking about, you know, a a five to 10 minute break in the middle of the day to just give my brain a moment to reset. And that's hard. Some days I have conference calls booked from eight in the morning till six in the evening. And so there really just aren't many intervals. But on the days that I can, and I try to put 30 minutes in my schedule in the middle of the day for lunch and quiet and a break. But if you can take, you know, just regular breaks every couple hours, just even five minutes just to let your brain kind of reset and recalibrate and unwind. And then also longer breaks that are regular. So whether that is the evenings, so do you have a set time that your workday ends? Um, I know some people that, you know, after six o'clock, that's it. They don't work anymore in the evening. I am not necessarily one of those people. I, I don't mind working in the evening, especially if my kids are working on homework and my husband's, you know, watching something that I don't care to watch, you know, being on my laptop, getting some more work done, you know, doesn't really bother me in the evenings. I am more of a weekend break person. So I will work in the evenings so that I can have more of my Saturday and Sunday without work to do. Um, I know other people who do not work their evenings. Like once they're done, six o'clock, that is it, but they work on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Um, I know some people who will not start the work day until 10 o'clock. They get up in the morning and the mornings are their time to focus on other things. So I don't think there's a set kind of schedule or time that is optimal, it's really figuring out for you, when are you getting that downtime? 
if you're working from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed every day and you're not getting a break, and whether that's a break reading, watching TV, sitting in quiet, doing some other hobby, um, it just that's what leads our brains to burning out. It's exhausting. And so trying to find the pockets of time that you kind of enjoy taking a break and then finding a way to fit those into your schedule. That leads me to the next one, which is to avoid overscheduling the calendar. One of the lessons that I feel like I've learned during the pandemic has been how much better I feel and I'm able to maintain a lower stress level by not overscheduling the calendar. Pre-COVID, my family had something on the calendar like every evening, every weekend. We always had either a sport for the kids, an activity, you know, we'd get tickets to a show or to a sporting event. We'd have events with friends. We'd be going away for long weekends. We were just always busy, always on the go. COVID hit and man, that first couple months, it was really hard and felt very foreign to have to just be home a lot. And what I've realized is that I prefer the calendar to not be overscheduled. And I think that is part of why, um, while I'm still working a lot and, and there is a, a bit of a blur between um, you know, work and home because I'm working from home and, and I have to really control not being on the computer too much. It takes a lot of, of self-control and discipline. I'm not struggling anymore with the overscheduling the calendar because we just, you know, there aren't shows. We can't get tickets to concerts and sporting events because they're not happening. You know, we're not doing a lot of travel or a lot of get-togethers. And so um, I, I think this is something that I'm going to try to keep as the pandemic winds down, hopefully later this year, um, to keep the, the calendar not so full, because I think those, those windows of downtime are really helpful in preventing burnout. This next one, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record again, because I think I talk about it all the time. This next one is to get some exercise. I cannot tell you how much of a a difference it has made for me if I can just take a walk, just 30 minutes, walk outside, or get on an elliptical or a stationary bike. Having the time to think or clear my mind or unwind or listen to calming music or listen to a podcast or be in silence for 30 minutes while walking and listening to the birds or the frogs or, you know, whatever nature is happening outside. That exercise time is critical for me to not feel completely burnt out. It helps so much. There are some days that I force myself to take a second walk because I took one early in the day. And later in the day, I can feel 
that I'm getting a little little singy around the edges and you know my temper is getting a little short. And so I go for another walk and it just it helps so much. And I I've talked with a few friends who have started kind of adding more walking into their schedule and they say the same thing. They just they have more energy, which is awesome, but also they just don't feel so anxious and overwhelmed and exhausted. And this is something that if you're sitting there saying, I am over overly busy that I do not have time to work out. I, I was there. I was that person three, four years ago too. The last thing I had time to do is add a workout. And I think what helped me is to remove a couple of the barriers. Number one, working out does not mean going to a gym. You don't have to go to a gym or to a class. I don't have time necessarily to you know, put on the outfit, drive to a gym, then do the class, then come back, then get showered and cleaned up. Like you can't do that in the middle of the workday, or at least I can't. So that was one. It doesn't have to be in a gym. It doesn't have to be a class. It doesn't have to be a, a 60 minute extensive cardio and weight lifting event. You can just walk for 30 minutes or even 15 minutes. And that you can do in the clothes you're in. It doesn't have to be, you know, power walking to get super sweaty. It can just be a walk. That movement will make such a difference. And you might find over time that, you know, you enjoy it so much that you make more time for other types of workouts, and you might not. But it you don't need to have a special outfit on. You know, you need to have shoes that are appropriate for whatever activity you're doing so that you don't hurt yourself. But other than that, it, it can be as simple as taking a walk outside or, or doing stretching or yoga or something. You know, there are lots of free videos on YouTube. You could just do something in your living room or in your bedroom. And just that little bit of movement can really help to prevent yourself from feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. And then the last one that I have to remind myself about all the time this is one that, you know, I, I'm almost, you know, saying this here on the podcast today, not just for you, but as a reminder to me, and that is to be fully present in whatever it is that you're doing. Why does this affect burnout? Uh, for me, if I'm partially parenting or partially interacting with my husband or my friend and working at the same time. I'm like on my phone responding to emails or I'm on my laptop and I'm like half listening to what's happening in, at home and then I'm half paying attention to what's happening at work. It exhausts my brain and totally stresses me out. Um, I have found that I can stay much calmer and keep my stress levels lower and avoid burnout. If, if I'm working, just be at work. And that's a lot easier to say than it is to do when you're working from home. And I get that. I'm trying to let my family know, like, I need to do this thing for these next couple hours. You know, if if we can avoid interrupting me, I'd appreciate it. That is easier for me because my husband is also at home and my kids are older. I get that. If you're a single parent or you're the only one at home with the kids, it is impossible. Totally agreed. And... Do what you can. We've just got to survive this. 
But if you can, and you're one of those people, so I was one of those people who would bring my laptop out to the living room while the kids are watching something on TV and my husband's making dinner, I'd be on the laptop trying to work. That's so stressful because I, I then get annoyed when they're interrupting me. Like, I'm in the middle of writing an email. What? That's not fair to them. I shouldn't be working. If this is now family time, I shouldn't be working. And so I'm getting all stressed out and angry when really it's it's my fault. So I'm trying to kind of set my time that is work time and then set the time that is family time. And, and then even within the work time, trying to avoid multitasking as much as I can, it wears me out. So if I'm on a call and I'm also reading emails or looking something up on the internet or editing a paper, I, can, I can't. I, I mean, I can, and then I'm exhausted. Like I can't, I can't do the next thing. And so I had a whole episode about, uh, about pr- productivity and I talked about multitasking in it. It's episode 24 um, and why multitasking just is something we should try to avoid. And it, again, this is something I have to avoid myself because I, I like multitasking. I like feeling like I'm getting done with all the things, but I, I catch myself if I'm doing it and especially if I'm doing it too much, it leads to me feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and totally burned out. So we've talked about the strategies that I use to try to prevent getting myself to the point of burnout. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And so what to do when you get to the point that you're in total burnout? Um, The first thing that I want to say is if you are feeling totally burned out and depleted and it's really bad, I would recommend considering seeing a professional therapist. It is something that I did several years ago. It helped me a thousand percent and it, it was just necessary. There just wasn't I I did not see a way out of it without having a professional to talk to about it. I don't think there's anything to feel shame about. It is a profession that is there to help people when they need it. It's not necessarily something that you need to do forever. I did it for about nine months, and then I haven't felt like I needed it since. And does that mean I won't go back? Absolutely not. When I feel like I need it again, I'll go back. Um, so that's one thing that I would consider if you if you're feeling really burnt out, I, I just I think sometimes having that that outside party, that kind of independent voice to talk to and listen to um, can be really helpful. Another thing is taking an extended time off. If that could be several days or several weeks, I have seen some people um, posting online about taking a FMLA, so family medical leave or an extended leave of absence. I know, you know, certainly in the academic field, people take sabbaticals. Sometimes those sabbaticals really are set up to help with something like burnout. You know, if you're someone who teaches a lot of classes and does a lot of research and or clinical work, I mean, sometimes that sabbatical can make a huge difference. I've never taken a sabbatical. I tend to just take a couple of days off here or there or a week. 
it, it, it helps. It just, it really helps. And I know, especially when you're feeling totally burned out, it can feel like you can't take the time off. And maybe you can't. You know, I can't pretend to know what your employment situation is. And if you can't take the time off, maybe there are some other things that you can do. And, and I'll talk about some of those strategies in just a minute. But if you can afford to take the time off and take take three days, take five days, take 10 days, and truly take the time off, it can make a huge difference in how you feel about the work that you're doing. If taking time off is not a possibility, or even if it is, one of the other things that you can do is to look at your list of obligations and things that you need to do and what can come off the list. Which obligations could you remove? What can you say no to? Is there anything that could come off the list? And especially in academia, I think some of the quickest things that that I could recommend are starting to say no to uh, reviewing papers for journals, to reviewing grants, to giving talks at other institutions, especially if it requires travel, to uh, being on committees. Like these are all things that we need to do, both for our own kind of career promotion and also as service to our community. But if you are in a state or a season where you're really frazzled and burned out, that's not the time to say yes to all those things. It's just, it's you can take a break and say no to some of those things for a few months or a year or two while you're kind of in the season that you're in that, that is particularly hard. Another thing that I think can be really helpful and certainly has for me, even if I need to keep doing work, is to get a change of scenery. Sometimes our bodies and our our minds just need that jolt of something different. And so, especially during the pandemic, that's been so hard because we can't travel. But once it is safe for you to travel in the region of the world that you live in, if you you know, live inland and you have the opportunity to get to an ocean or you live in a very flat region of the country and you can get to mountains or you live in an area that, you know, doesn't have a lot of green, you're in a city and just getting somewhere that's greener or with more flowers or even just for the day, can you just go to a park or go to a, um, you know, an area that has a lot of flowers or a waterfall or uh, a creek, just something in nature that changes your view can really change your perspective and how you're feeling. I know for myself, when I am feeling like I am at my wit's end, kind of going for a five mile walk in a state park that's near my house is a game changer. Uh, Similarly, if I can get myself with a water view, whether it's a lake, a creek, an ocean, and just stare at the water, huge, huge impact on my mindset and my mental state. And so, especially if you're feeling pretty burnt out, I think kind of getting that jolt in your system and getting a new perspective by putting yourself into a different scenery from the one that you're in every day hugely helpful. The last thing 
is to unplug. And this is hard, and I don't know how long you would be able to do it. I know for me, I have a hard time doing it for very long. But there are times when I feel pretty burnt out that I have to, like, unplug from the internet. Phone, laptop, iPad, all of it. Put it in a different room. Put it in the house and go outside. Just something to quiet the noise. And, and whether that's the, the noise from work or social media or what's happening in the news, sometimes just turning everything off and being in the quiet and doing things that are quiet can just really help calm your mind. I mean, I, to me, and this is not, I'm not a psychologist, this is not my area of expertise in terms of the science, but for me, when I feel most burnt out, it's when I'm tired and exhausted because I haven't had enough sleep and my brain has been going in too many directions that it just feels like the neurons are just firing wildly and they like cannot slow down. And I just, it's overwhelming. So if there's a way to calm them down by turning things off and unplugging, it makes, for me, a huge difference in kind of coming back out of it and, and feeling better and calmer and being able to face the world. All right, that is what I wanted to talk about today. One last thing I'd mention, I came across an article this morning in the Wall Street Journal. It was published on March 16th, and the article is titled, How Being More Productive Starts with Doing Nothing, and it's by Anne-Marie Dooling. It's a great article. Yes, it's more about productivity, I guess, at least that's what the title suggests, but she just talks about some strategies to be more productive. I think they're the same strategies that you would need to avoid getting burnt out. And it's things like taking mental breaks and taking a long shower. It's a great article. Uh, it, it's They're all really simple things that you can just do at home. And things like that just help make an impact in, you know, keeping us calm and sane and productive at work and productive at home. So I hope that these strategies for preventing and treating burnout are helpful to you. These are the things that I do. I'm sure there are a lot of other strategies that others use. Uh, If you have them, I'd love to hear about them. Feel free to uh, post them on Twitter or send an email You can send the email to thecalmpodcast, that's all one word, thecalmpodcast.feedback at gmail.com, or you can post a comment on Twitter. The handle is at thecalmpodcast, all one word. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope you have a great week. Take care, and I'll talk to you next time. You've just listened to another episode of The Calm Podcast. I hope that some of the strategies that I talked about are helpful to you in your journey through academia and life. As they say, it's not all about the destination, it's about the journey. 
Let's make it a great one. Until next time.